We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Walter O'Villigay, Storigi Kyologos Koro, Radio Fobel Car, Kilkenny, or Hock to Hock Print Shock FM, is Fedri Esther Glesh and Glor Shogok Sahern, Erinate Log, Officer Ree, Sharon Loon, Erinate Log. Welcome to Kyologos Koro on Community Radio Kilkenny City. We're broadcasting every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock and a repeat every Monday morning at the same time. Well, our Majin Shawbeg Mehala Dermine Korsis, Margiao Laren Tauran, Ishlevnaman. Tolas Aguing Margaul Eron Lagan Akanam Lukt Lani Laklanuna Tibradoran Octa Lagan Ella Danauran Avan and Le Iria Mak Shocked Deg Noka Hooked. Well, Kos Kos Mara Brennan Orum Le Deni Vunig Mara the Acorn Project Token She Kaur Dogina Kon Kreen Agus Kulte a cave new agus a bruach na fiora. Eglahur Tereshine, big me a kind lesson chock to Dollar John McGuinness, Sophina Fall, Carla Kilkinnig, Margaular Corsi Politicta, and Coronavirus, Agus Ruddy Politicta Ella. Eg Deron Clar, Urawan Ella, big me a kind ladina, a be lahar nora dona hollandausa, on may fair a cup to blean or him. Well, Mihala Dimit starts us this morning in Kyologos Koro talking to us about Schliebnaman, the song Schliebnaman, but not the version we're familiar with from the hurling or various um, Louise Morrissey singing it, but rather a version about the Irish fighting men being slaughtered on the slopes of Schliebnaman during the 1798 uprising. I recently met with Maura Brennan, the founder of the Acorn Project. Well, we had Morris Keane on our programme two weeks ago talking about the Norvision Project and Maura's work on that particular project. Well, the Acorn Project... Uh, to, um, is a forest regeneration and a place-based learning programme that celebrates the heritage and living landscape of the woodlands along the north through action-based learning initiatives. Well, half past nine or thereabouts to be joined by Deputy John McGuinness to discuss current political issues and there are many going on at the moment, especially the challenges facing the government managing COVID-19 and its impact on the Irish economy. And finally, towards the end of the programme, we'll continue our series of interviews from the closing days of the Mayfair Ballroom. What's mean, lad? Is Feder Fogra Kurkoim or Renever 086 353 That's our text line. Agus Mabuikas to Tony Agus and Ferdinand Sam Harry Chadwick done a week done Clara Show. We're ever grateful to Tony Duggan and the team and Sam Harry Chadwick for their uh, help with this program and sponsorship. And Mabuikas, Steve Shalop Deshtakta done Stashu and Show. As ever, we're very grateful to our uh, supporters in the community and our listeners. You continue to uh, keep us enthused and keep us going every day of the week. Agus Anisha Mihal Ajimida. Tashe Korshis and Majin are in Tauran, Shlevenaman. Well, Tauran Ellis Shlevenaman. According to Tommy Arash, the Barista Majin, Augusta, Bemi Kainfein, Auron, Kalul, Shlevenaman. Now, Nihe on Tauran, a hum kickem, Augusta Flushington of Inchibradorn, give us a bark of crowhick. Auron, Nis Shinna Shin, Nifiske Shreve, Agwananche. Lesion <laughs> Cowl na mwinig, nwan fear ga marriage bio. Where are the monster men, or do they, do they exist at all? Shin ashkriv mi hala lung goin, vi vi naira er, nakrev na mwinig parter kawan. Ak vi grupa biog, jas na hera negenta, e neshkat hibradar, an hartar mwilin a hoon, agas, an kawantar shin. Agas vi se barta kuga mech airi e macha ko, e gwinyan sasnach, and three laws for her to be oil, shocked you no hooked. I was we planning a day to make a glass for China or sleeve or knock for clear con Nadina Nahoglik a heart like hail. Ah, we spear in a mask, a spy, we spear in a mask, Dorabanum O'Neill. I was we Tomas O'Neill. 
bolesh an tacht hoirne e digen ne mile, nine mile house, og sa an tigt hoirne sin aun i goan i, in digen ne mile. Ach reyn os hoog sesn an tolus tis ma sasnig, agus e rihn hie honig na sasnig, aram hasna o chel chynig, agus a honig dan a nire duig ar na heirinig eintaha, agus e rinn ad os grisar, agus e varish hi dreyn jif, agus e he, Kriegers Jeff Sousa schrieb ne Mann. Agus Honig und Tauran schien ihm, aber Jonam ni Fiske schrieb er. Reime tri Kuppel Verse, so schacht Verse auf Fadon. Auch Reime tri tri Kaunji Jehagus Joachim Blas den Auran. Es solem Fenig Bulan Leod de Golor Gael Voktus ne Ketes Lad. So es solem Fenig I hate to think about the defeat of that day, and the defeat of the poor Irish, and all the slot, the, 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 the murder that happened. It's good to me, like a kind of game being. The mayor, this English, they're treating us like game, like like shooting pheasants. They say they're not bothered about the pike or, or a spear. Near every gunnyig na hernig we na pihirko. Near hernig our major idus on lehoing. Our leader didn't come in the uh, uh, at the beginning of the day. It's near Omer Fena on Igor Noigat. We weren't properly organised. Igor Noigat. Ach marajorfi trade a bogan era. Our havena grain is a havena man. We were like. A herd of cows that would be left without anybody herding them. Our haven of grain on the side of the sunny side of Schlievenamon. Tenshiragan Shinagrid Kahrosvik Throne, the Battle of Ross. Shairost of Roig is the Tlegu Joshing, Marafogh Morkadin Sheen to Log. It was Ross. Ross was the last, and we were overcoming Ross. Many of us were left lying weak, wounded. As Lani Yoga in a small town Deutsche, young children were left to burn and smolder. As a major Don Biodi of Kushlin was got, and those that are, are, uh, who were still living were left in the hedges and by the ditches. But anyway, Tadokas again, a Gaulam Fosti even to Yinan Fjolavach. But I promise, the, your man who did the carnage there, the, the fellows that did the carnage in Ross, we'll take them on again, with a pike and a spear. It's good yeoman, a moon in a mroga, and we'll put the yeoman, a moon, we'll put them urinating in their shoes. A deal on Corlo, our Slevenamon. We will get revenge for Slevenamon. I was on Shinta Dokus again, good Jukic Napoleon. We honor Credovic Nadina, Jukic Napoleon, Marvice, a Kogir to Leshnesasnik. Ton Franco Quereca slingers lays to La Crana Gera and Murla Shal. On Franco Quereca, the eager Frenchman. Le Lingus, he has his navy uh, set up, rigged up, like Cron of Gear, with high masts, and they're at sea for a while. Is she a sheer scale, will a drill or airing? The, the story is that they're heading towards Ireland. It's a good gale vote, a reached and they'll put the poor old Irish back in their proper position. Damagoylam Feni Gomir and Scale, son. If I thought that that story was true, my heart would be as light as a blackbird on a, on a bush, on a skach. That the English would be overpowered, and we'd be blowing the horn, the triumphant horn, our haven of Grania, that leave them on, on the side of the... the on the sunny side of Shlevenamon. So, Lehemeh Rishi, August Tigishivay. 
Der Solon Fenig Bulan Leod, der Goller Gwell Wachtes Nikhetes Lad. Es gewill ne Mehrlig eg Genev Gendjing, es ran auch eni lo Pik Nashla. Nier Honigar Major Edusan Lechoing, es nier Omer Fena oni Gor Neugart. Ach mare Jungfieb er trede Bogan Ere, er hevne Grenja, de liebne Mann. Sie rost of Roig, es de Fliege Joshing, mare Fogg Murche, die in Schinte lag, lani Jogen es Smole und Deutsche. Sen med dan bjödiv kostlinus gart. Gjallum shafen djivan te e jinnan fjolavach. Gomemni gordol e pikes lishla. Esko gulem jomen e munen omroga. E djila gordlo er flivna man. Tan frankuk fjolach es linges leste le kranagera kor mwirle shal. Sjen shirskel gule drila rering. Es gugurhid gwelvok to rish negart. Dama goil on feni gomiran skelson, berch mo krik ho hedrum le lonner skach, es gomer clear verlig es an oyrt a sheder hevne grenye, jet livne man. No, an kjole talesh, ta she gahaling er fad, nor vi shan o rede kuma misha eir, an skanan misha eir, do saitse, an kjol sin mar kvidd den kulra aon, agus stokke gul se arolse gul hana fein. Akarinus, an sin vise kanakha tjente i guigemon sarajn gahar ha, agus niklas tobin an sara orani jofaj sin stokke ar youtube a hana. So, torme fevi an ked versa hana, so djene me irak torenos. Esolom fenig mulan leod Adhalar gwelvogt esniket aslad Mahartana merlig Adjen of a game genius around Achenilo Near Honigar Major, it does on Lake Hoing. It's near our hen on Igor Neugard. Ach, Marajol Fibre, trader at a Well, Mahan Farmi Hill, Vishishingra Hanawa. Agus Versa Ella on Tauran Chin, Shlivdaman on Taurani Anini Kalik. Vox <laughs> We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. Kyo Lagas Kora on Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.
the Niklas O'Brien Father Nashkili Kyol of his Coral Margin Show. Well, cost more a Brennan or a Mledini, uh, Vunig Mora the Acorn Project, a token she coward of Guina, a concrean of his culture, a crave new on Vrotna Fiora, done a project at Norvision. Well, I'm delighted to be talking to Maura Brennan, primary school teacher by profession, but she's also the founder of the Acorn Project, which she will tell me about in a few moments. Maura, first of all, thanks for talking to me. Maybe tell us a little bit about your own background. Hi, thanks for having me along. Yeah, well, we're here sitting in Ballyrafton Woods. It's a great place to be sitting. And I suppose I've been a teacher for about 10 years and I've always had an interest in taking children out into nature and learning in nature. So the Acorn Project kind of, I suppose, was born out of that interest. Tell me a little bit about the work of the Acorn Project and how you integrate that into the whole area of heritage in schools and that. Well, the Acorn Project, we're working with Norvision at the moment to bring the Acorn Project to schools across Kilkenny and along the Nor. And basically what we do is we connect children and schools to their local wild spaces. And the idea behind the acorn project is that you get people out into the woods we do three different things we collect seeds at this time of year so this time of year now you'll find us out in forests and woodlands around Kilkenny visiting oak trees collecting acorns and we save those acorns over the winter and then we create tree nurseries with them with the schools and communities that we work with and also I suppose one of the main ideas with the acorn project is that we felt it's not enough to just plant the trees that you also need to create a community of nature guardians to protect those trees. So that's what the work of the Acorn Project really would be, is that we take people out and teach them about nature and inspire them to connect with nature and learn about biodiversity and ecosystems and how as humans we're such a part of that. And I imagine it's not very difficult to get children interested in this topic. I imagine children by their nature love the outdoors. They like getting out and getting the detail behind things they see in the forest but probably never knew about it until you start to explain to them. Well, you hit it on the head there. Like Definitely kids are in their element when they're in the forest and what I always notice is children notice so many things in the forest that we as adults mightn't actually notice so I'm always learning from them as well they'll bring your attention they're down in the ground straight into it and finding all sorts of things they're always open to learning new things and their imagination runs wild but also yeah they are really interested to find out how nature works and discover the biodiversity that's right there on their doorstep and I suppose it's so important these days with busy lives children don't necessarily have as much access to getting out and running wild the way people might have like a generation ago. So guess Forest School is about creating opportunities to get children out into the nature and then maybe helping them develop kind of comfort and literacy of the woods so they're able to get out and one of the big things is I guess supporting children getting out to nature is good rain gear, you know so it's that practical thing as well that you can get out and explore and we kind of have a saying in Forest School that there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes because we get enough of the bad weather here so if you were to wait for a sunny day to get outdoors in Ireland you might be waiting a long time. How do you actually get involved in the schools then? Do they come to you? Or, well, I know I know the schools will be aware of the service being offered but how does it actually happen? Well I guess it's a bit of both through the Norvision project that's allowed us to connect with more schools around Kilkenny and we would just contact schools and ask them if they're interested and likewise if schools were interested they can look us up on our Facebook page or our website if they look up Kilkenny Forest School or Shalina Quilla, they can go on there and they can connect with us but basically we look for schools that would be interested to make the commitment to do the programme because we'll say you're doing your four forest school sessions and then over a year or two you're developing your tree nursery as well so that's kind of what we ask teachers to do and then teachers can also get involved themselves through some of our training initiatives as well. We're here in Belly Rafton Road uh, out in uh, Jenkinstown now at the moment and the teachers will they bring the children there, do the parents bring the children there how does it actually work well what we've been trying to do is work with children in their most local nature space and so normally we will walk the children it'll, ideally it's somewhere that the children can walk to from their school so it's kind of learning about the nature that's on your doorstep and starting to value those wild spaces and I suppose during lockdown and everything we all learned a lot about the nature and spaces that in our 2k doorstep so like ideally what we do is we would walk to an outdoor 
outdoor space and it doesn't have to be a woodland it can just be any wild space or any habitat that's amenable to the school and sometimes we'll even start in the school's own grounds and see what's growing there and what other creatures are living there like we do sometimes it really just depends from school to school some schools might be in a position to bus children to a woodland or parents if it's a small school parents might be happy to drop off but I guess at the moment everything is a little bit different at the moment with Covid and everything so but in normal times yeah children would come to their most local woodland or most local park or wild space We're hearing a lot more about the whole issue of green initiatives and various things is that making the topic that you deal with more popular now among people and there's a, a greater awareness of the need to understand the environment in which we live Oh certainly people are talking a lot more about an ecological crisis that we're facing and I think it's also people's own experience of nature. People know that they, when they go out in nature that they feel better and they know they can feel that nature is important to them. We don't always need experts to, to tell us that that nature has great benefits. We see that in, in ourselves, in our own world but I guess the ACORN project, what we hope to do is empower people that they can do something, that they can act to make to help nature and to help create a better environment for nature and for humans because we as humans are part of that nature. Of yeah. How did you yourself get an interest in this topic in terms of obviously being a primary teacher did you just develop it? How did that come about? Um, I suppose just from my own childhood growing up and being out in nature a lot and maybe through my parents and grandparents valuing nature a lot and so I always would have had that connection and always found like my own sense of well-being in nature. You go for a walk, it's kind of what your grandmother would say just getting out in fresh air solves most problems but I suppose how it came about with the acorn project in particular I actually had a fall I fell I was climbing a tree and I fell out of an oak tree and I had I, I dislocated my, my pelvis and for a number of a number of months I couldn't really walk properly and I suppose I just started thinking about oak trees a bit and but going a bit off topic there now but I suppose then when I was teaching I remember in one of the classes I was teaching with we were doing green schools project and one of the ideas that the children had was that we could grow a forest and I guess one of the reasons that I always enjoy working with children is they don't see obstacles so it was like okay well how can we grow a forest so we realised that we mightn't have had the land in our school to grow a forest on but we could certainly develop a tree nursery and then we could donate those trees onto landowners who did have the land so I guess for me it was about how can we empower communities to actually act instead of always looking at the problems and the negatives what can we actually change and in terms of the interest the kids have in it do they instill interest in their parents as well? I suppose the parents have to be committed if they want to drive them to somewhere like Ballyrafton Wood or Jinkasun Wood or somewhere like that. But I suppose the young children themselves, they generate interest in their parents in the topic, I've no doubt. Oh, they do. I mean, children become ambassadors themselves for the project and they will go home and tell, deliver the message and definitely bring parents along with them as well. And that that's definitely a way to generate change and action because children, I suppose have the ear of their parents and they, they will bring that message home what for sort sure. What questions might they be asking you? The children? Yes. Oh, like, I mean, all sorts of things, like the, it could be how old is a tree to, they could be asking you where does rain come from and all sorts of questions, yeah. They're, they're getting inquisitive at that stage. They are they're getting very inquisitive. Television and they're, they're getting, they're getting uh, the questions are evolving from that. Yeah, yeah, completely, yeah. And I mean, I guess that for me, I'm always learning because because sometimes they'll ask me questions I don't have the answers to and then I have to go and search for a bit more knowledge and I guess that's the thing we're lifelong learners and um, it's kind of through action in the community that we can learn and that's another thing that the Norvision actually brings because we'll say at the moment there's at least three initiatives that people like adults as well can get involved in there's our citizen science project that's coming up if people want to get involved in that so so there's always opportunities to learn whether we're children or grown-ups. In terms then of the Norvision project, I'll come back maybe ask you more questions on the ACORD project in a moment, but in terms of Norvision, your own ambitions for the Norvision, what's your views on it? Because I had a good chat with Morris Keane last week and he's obviously very enthusiastic about it as a, as a lead project person on it. Yeah, well, I mean, for the ACORN project, the Norvision has been a great support and it's enabled us to get our project out and share it with communities and I think that's really the vision for the Norvision project is to bring those communities together so that they can act towards create cleaner you, you know a better environment for the Noor and like it's that shared vision I guess it's it's the water that brings people together and it's that 
shared vision of the river that'll bring those communities together. So whether that's children out learning or collecting seeds or whether that's adults out testing water quality, it's kind of the one thing that's in common, the river. Yeah, the rivers are just by, I mean, the tributary of the Nord, the Dynan is literally right beside it. Yeah, here, we're where, sitting where we're here beside it. Here yeah, moment, absolutely. I'm well familiar with it. Looking at the Heritage in School website, I mean, there's a whole fine array of online tutorials there for people to look up. And I just spotted your name against two to do with Oak Gall Inc. and Nettle Cordage. What are these meant to achieve? They're explaining aspects of it. I mean, maybe literally very briefly, what were those two particular tutorials that you narrated? Oh, yeah. So just to celebrate Heritage Week this year, the Heritage Council got some people on the Heritage in Schools panel to make some videos. So two of the videos that I made were the Oak Gall Inc. and the Nettle Cordage. And Oak Gall Inc. would have been the ink that was used to in the in the Book of Kells and it, so it's it's like um uh, was used by our ancestors to and it's lasted the time so it's a great way to look at how we used to use oak uh, and acorns and galls so the gall the oak gall is when the wasp lays its egg on the oak tree it generates an oak gall and the oak gall is full of tannins and you can basically process the oak gall by extracting the tannins out of it to create an ink so basically I suppose the idea behind it is looking at our human relationship with the oak tree down through the years and like one thing that always fascinates me is even where the word acre comes from the word acre derives from how many acorns you could grow on a piece of land because our ancestors would have used acorns as a food source. It would have been a really valuable food source creating acorn flour and that's something that maybe we've lost touch, and touch I with. Saw, I saw nettles in a very different light when I uh, looked at your uh, video clip of nettle cordage, how you how you create string and that from, from yeah, nettles. Yeah. I, can, I can imagine it's used in times past in fact. Oh yeah, as a, in Bronze Age it would have been used as a fibre for fabric, course, yeah. for weaving fabric and people would have created clothes out of it and it creates like a really silky fabric and it's also would have been used as a cordage just to make string and rope so it's really valuable not just as a food source but as a resource and material as well In terms of obviously young people learning as I said earlier there's a fine array of online tutorials there and the address is www.heritageinschools.ie I'm sure many parents are familiar with it at this stage but in terms then of moving on that initiative onto the second level sector where is that in terms of is that something in your uh, plans in relation to the Acorn project, can it be can it progress to second level schools? Oh yeah, we have worked with a couple of second level schools. I suppose my own background is in primary education, so that's where I've been targeting the project. But it is a project that can be replicated easily in secondary schools, and we have done so in a couple of schools. But I suppose we've also worked with communities with tidy towns initiatives as well. So it's not just for primary schools. Like there's a businesses, organisations, anyone can get involved in the acorn project so you can get involved by coming out to one of our acorn picking days and picking acorns you can get involved by fostering an acorn box at your house or your business or or your school or any organization that has basically a couple of meters squared free ground can install one of these boxes there's loads of ways to get involved in the acorn project and it's not just for primary schools though our main education program is targeted at them but all members of the community can get involved with the likes of um, transition year it sounds very logical and also yeah, when you talk about yeah. towns I know for instance Kilkenny Local Authority has a major biodiversity programme at the moment yeah. so there's huge opportunities and, there yeah and they would have in the past they, the county council the local environment section have have funded the ACORN project as well they've been involved with us you're obviously at the start of a school year now and in very different times but the, the, the interest is still as great as ever it is with everybody there's we've just had to make adjustments and make minor adjustments and try to keep things going so but I yeah imagine the fact but that I, I, I think our job is a little bit easier yeah. than some people the fact that you're yeah. out in the open and in an environment where today is a beautiful day in fact when you're out in the open obviously you're you're able to social distance you're able to do that a lot easier so that makes it lovely it better does yeah I mean I mean at the moment getting outdoors solves an awful lot of problems so yeah I think it, from that aspect definitely outdoor learning is going to be a big support to schools and children over the next little while I think well Maura you're, uh, you're obviously it was a fascinating topic when, when Morris Keane mentioned to me, I said I must have a chat with you. I'm, I know a lot of schools are already involved in it, but good wishes to you even in these changed times because looking after our, our environment is, is important. We can't just be leaving it to the next generation. We must all do something about it. Brilliant. Thanks for having me along. Yeah, Devesh and Maura Brennan, we made a kind in uh, Bellyrafton Wood, uh, a lovely spot.
We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. Kyolagas Coral on Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. La Niklas O'Brenon. Father Nashkudi and Clara, Sinakalums, the studio Nishta and Chaktadalo, Carla Kilkenny, John McGuinness. John, you're very welcome uh, to us this morning. And uh, as we said earlier on, uh, very strange. You're uh, you're up and down to Dublin every day. You have um, not sure what the agenda is for every day. Such is the way life has gone at the moment. So, uh, what's life? What's life like as a TD these times? Uh, it's, it's it's very difficult, uh, Nicky, because on one side, um, at national level, you're trying to deal with the Doll itself, which can sit in the convention centre or it can sit in Leinster House. So your day can be adjusted very quickly from one building to the other. Um, the convention centre is not really suitable for the doll uh, and it's not suitable to work in. So basically, you're there trying to work in an environment that um, you know doesn't lend itself to to um, to the type of work that we do. And then you could be your day could be uh, knocked out of kilter because you'd have a longer sitting than what you would expect it. So I drive up and down uh, most days, uh, and traffic is light. Uh, but the days can be long and then on the on the constituency side of it we've had to uh, stop our normal public uh, clinics and we now have to do them by by uh, appointment and that's to suit the regulation around covid of course uh, but people are very i think dejected and and um, depressed uh, hard finding it very difficult to uh, deal with the COVID and the changes that are, are coming uh, down the track and the changes that we're having to deal with on a daily basis, but we have no option. What about the convention centre? Is that going, How more is that going to continue? Because it does, I, I know obviously because of Gavin's involvement, um, it's, it seems very, it's very awkward for everybody, TDs and media like. It's awkward for everyone because you're sitting, <coughs> I, I say that I, I'm, I'm in the attic because there's different layers to yeah. that convention centre and we all have our own seats. Uh, so it's very difficult for the Count Corda, for example, to chair it because you have a vast area in front of you and you're trying to pick out where the speaker is. Um, and for all of us that are, are used to working close together and, and, you know, politics is like that. It's about conversation, making sure. representations and being in the doll and getting that sense of, of uh, the issue from other TDs. It's very, very difficult. Now, we were back in the doll uh, last week and on Thursday I spoke in the doll. Uh, on the various issues of the day and uh, it was interesting because there's very few in the doll and we can't be in there uh, after every session of two hours you're out now I'm chairing the finance committee again for the next uh, for this term of the doll uh, and we haven't met yet and still we have to get together in order to pass uh, the budget because that will come to uh, the finance committee so next week we're meeting on that setting out an agenda for ourselves but again there are two hourly meetings and we have to find a place to meet and I suppose for those of us on the outside we're not seeing a whole lot of business being transacted at the moment we thought that with this new government that you know we get more business so now obviously COVID is occupying their minds and, and one has to be very conscious of that but we need to get a sense of an ordinary business transacted in the dollar a hell of a lot more than's happening at the moment yeah we do and and there was a lot of legislation passed in the beginning then the doll has to move to the convention center uh, when it's passing legislation because all of us have to vote on legislation back in the doll it's only a set number of people that vote uh, because we can't all be in the doll chamber so it's very difficult to know how they're going to manage it back in the doll but we'd all prefer to be back there doing the normal business and we're coming into a a point now in the political cycle where the budget has 13th of October, there'll be intense um, discussions going on and debates going on before and after that um, budget. So, they're, and they're going to have to have the full membership there. So, whether they're going to do that in the convention centre or not, I don't know. And looking Plus, at the I budget, think the cost yeah. is 50 grand a day. So, I believe, yeah, looking at the budget, I mean, clearly, given we all know that the deficit this year is going to be 25, 30 million huge numbers for this country, clearly, Pascal Donner who and and um, the government they're going to have to there's some bad news going to come in that budget or difficult news because we have to start doing some type of recovery yeah well up to, up to now for example take Kilkenny the government have put 8 million euro into the businesses in Kilkenny to try and keep them afloat the general expenditure in the country will be in the region of, of they say up to 30 billion 
uh, euro extra uh, this year. Uh, government will have to borrow. Uh, that debt will have to be serviced. But there is no option. You have to keep businesses afloat. You have to ensure that people have money to be able to spend, uh, you know, on, on themselves if they're not working. Uh, and those that are elderly have to make sure that they're okay too. Uh, so the, the, the budget will be a very different kind of budget this year. Uh, but at some stage in the future, obviously that will have to be paid back. And the pain will be sell, felt somewhere down the line. But w- I have no difficulty in supporting the government and encouraging them to borrow as much as they possibly can to keep the economy and society uh, you know, active at a particular level. So at least when the recovery comes around, that we're going to have businesses that will recover. That they, The live entertainment business and the hotel sector um, have been very, very badly hit. And you're not just talking about hotels, you're talking about the staff in the hotel, the staff that support uh, the services to those hotels and industries. And in the event, uh, live entertainment business, you're not talking about those that perform on their own. You're talking about all of the backup uh, jobs that are there. So there's substantial money needed still uh, to keep those sectors afloat. And the, the government will just have to give that and money. And we saw yesterday, of course, where uh, the three main sporting organisations, although they were probably also in lots of other sports who were there, maybe not, not in person, but were mentioned as also... They're under big pressure. We saw some stark figures from the three sporting bodies. And in terms of the the social and the mental um, lives of people in Ireland, sport has to be supported as well. And that's another handout for funding. Well, I, I believe every cent that's invested in sport um, is well worth it. If you take one discipline, the GAA, and you look at their involvement in communities up and down the country, they're not just a sporting organisation, they're the last uh, pillar of community left standing and intact and they give huge assistance to organisations outside of a sport and families indeed outside of a sport uh, at, at various stages. So you need those sporting organisations there for the activity of those that are involved, uh, also for those that are involved in administration in, in, in the uh, sporting arena. Uh, and then you have the spectators. And as you said, the mental well-being of people has been badly badly affected during all of this COVID. Um, I understand that the figures through the um, mental health authorities, that the figures have increased uh, dramatically and is of, are they're of a great concern because they don't have the professionals to uh, immediately support a family. So everything that we can do in the context of mental health uh, and well-being is important to community and is important to the individuals that are badly affected and, and, right and now, older people in particular. And right now as we grapple with uh, unfortunately a growth in uh, COVID-19 cases with the lockdown of Dublin and the rest of the country might not be too far behind heading to level 3 we're also seeing on the horizon that Brexit is not going well it looks like it could be difficult we may not have an agreement with the, with the, uh, with the UK and Europe you must be concerned as well there and I suppose parallel with that did we score somewhat of an own goal in putting one of the main negotiators off the pitch there in Phil Hogan notwithstanding he, he did he did do wrong yeah well if I take them um, we, we, Brexit is, is without a shadow of a doubt a huge problem but on, on the health front as we approach the winter you're going to have the, the flu uh, you know your, your annual um, flu issues again on top of the Covid yes you have Brexit with no sign of, of um you know, a deal coming out of it. And in fact, relationships are breaking down there. Uh, And we rely a lot on our exports uh, to Britain. I mean, beef alone is a massive uh, export item uh, to Britain. Uh, In relation to Phil Hogan, uh, you know, I think we can can say that that he was wrong, that they were wrong to have that event uh, in in Clifton. Um, They should never have gone near it. It should never have been organised. I agree with all of that. I think paying the penalty of losing Phil Hogan in Europe was a big, big price to pay. And I think it was a price too much. And it was only afterwards when, you know, well, during it, you had Leo and uh, Michal saying that uh, he had to go, he had to go, they were looking for a head. Um, and never considered who would actually replace him. You know, I've, I've said publicly that he has spent his time in Europe uh, networking, 
learning the ropes of Europe, which are not easy, they're complicated because there's internal politics all over the place, and there's rivalries and, and uh, you know, competitive um, uh, countries that want to get more and more money. And you need somebody strong in trade to do it. Now we've lost trade. Um, and this is not taking from Mairead McGuinness at all. I think that she'll be excellent out there because she knows the area. But Phil Hogan had mastered the craft uh, of the European stage and uh, he'll be missed. Uh, big price to pay, maybe too much of a price to pay. Mairead McGuinness, I wish her well because I'll be working directly with her uh, in the context of the financial services and Europe has a big impact on Ireland in, the, in, in, in that uh, area. So we'll have to work closely with her in the future. But look, all we can do is work hard, hope for the best. Uh, all of us are in it together in, in the context of COVID, Europe and Ireland. Uh, but we certainly need to do something really big to save our economy and to ensure that society is intact. You're a chair of the uh, Dáil Finance Committee and of course during the week we heard at least it's a rumour at this stage what Ulster Bank uh, might possibly be pulling out of the country. We've no idea if that's the truth or not. They haven't confirmed it. But as chair of the Finance Committee you, you must be concerned that a major financial institution like that might even contemplate leaving the Irish market. Yeah, because uh, it, it's, it's it one less. It's one less. Yeah, it's one less, and it affects competition. Um, now, you know, Ulster Bank, with all of its problems, all of the banks have had problems, uh, but to lose that many jobs um, in the country would be a significant loss and a blow to the economy. Now, they are looking at it. And I think the nature of banks uh, is that when they decide on a, you know, rationalising the 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 um, the uh, the local banks and so on and the numbers that they have employed it generally takes years to, to work that out uh, Bank of Ireland will be the same they've you know announced a cut in, in their job so our, our first task as a committee will be to bring in the banks and talk to them about their plans uh, and try and you know deal with the issues that arise um, from that I saw recently where KBC for example in Kilkenny they're moving out of Kilkenny in, in, to, to Waterford and that would be a big blow for that part of the city uh, you know because it was a building that was in use yeah, gave footfall so. around the area and so on um, and it's, it's a loss to Kilkenny city but yeah the banks are important um, to us and we need to keep them under scrutiny and I'll be doing that. I spoke to Pierce Doherty yesterday about it because he's the main opposition spokesperson now uh, and we decided on a, a sort of a programme that we would uh, engage with and the banks are certainly top of that programme. Good. I'm looking at a headline from the uh, Irish Times this morning. Uh, why are some in Fianna Fáil unhappy with uh, Michal Martin? Maybe I'll just put that question to you, John. I mean, it's known that you uh, certainly would have had issues with him, but you're certainly not looking for him to step down. But talk to me about the heading. Why are some in Fianna Fáil unhappy with me, Al Martin? Uh, I, I think, well, that arose, I would imagine, from what Eamon O'Quinn yeah, said. Yeah, and week. I was listening to that during yeah, the week, actually. And, and he said that, you know, we need a new leader, we need a new direction. Um, and that's happening because, you know, I think Michal Martin put his own timeline on this because he's going to be teacher for two and a half years. Um, he has been leader of Fianna Fáil since 2011. So there is going to be, at some stage, um, a change of leader, a, a transition from, you know, where we're at now to somewhere else. And we're only at 10% uh, in the polls. So How, the real, how is real is that 10%, John? Or is it, I mean, what, your own opinion on opinion polls, you, you'd kind of never been overly... Uh, maybe stressed out with opinion polls, but ten percent is a is a is a very low number. It is. Well, I I I don't I won't say I don't get stressed out over them, but I I I, I would be concerned about the trends that you know. You look at we had forty eight percent of the vote at one time. We lost uh, nearly half a million votes uh, over a, a period, um, and we're now down to ten percent. And it's it's a consistent. Uh, analysis and a consistent figure that's emerging from that analysis and it's always a downward trend so it's a huge concern particularly for those in Dublin because in Dublin Fianna Fáil is only on 4% that would mean that we wouldn't win a seat in Dublin it would mean that we would be down to maybe 15 seats or a dozen seats and y you cannot say in this day and age that that couldn't happen it happened in 2011 we were down to, to 19 of us elected uh, and I was one of those so you can never say that it's not going to happen in politics because the electorate has changed and it no longer has that traditional loyalty to party and there's an awful lot of the electorate that are, are um, deeply upset um, with the political system 
And this COVID-19 has further, you know, churned uh, the, the market in, in politics. So I would be very concerned about the 10%. Uh, and, you know, we do have to go through that change of leadership whenever it happens. And that will further cause difficulty. So we're at, we're at a, a time, I think, within Fianna Fáil that if it's not managed properly, um, you know, we could have a lot of problems uh, for the future. But they have to. People have to get on with the fact that you're in coalition with Fine Gael and oh, other I, Greens as well. Yeah. That's the fact of life. You just it's get, get get on with it. Yeah, and you know the, the reason why there's mixed messages about government is because there's three parties in government, uh, and every party is trying to you know make its mark. Yeah, jockey for position. Yeah, jockeying for position. Um, but in COVID nineteen and in a bad economy, Brexit and all the rest of it, the country comes first. You have to look at the country. You have to look at the economy and society and you have to take the best action possible in the interest of people. The politics and internal politics of political parties will have to come second. That's Absolutely. the way I look at it. Okay, well, finish on a, on a local matter, John. The, local, the last meeting of the Joint Policing Committee, you raised uh, serious concerns about the issues with St. Canis's Steps and the growth in, uh, in the whole... Uh, drug sailing in Kilkenny. It's it's frightening what's happening here. I think it's important that people of your um, standing in society would be raising these at the highest possible well, position. The, the reason why it was raised in such a public manner is because the uh, superintendent actually set out how bad it was in Kilkenny. And it was the Gardaí that gave the report which indicated that the, um, the, the level of drug use use in Kilkenny had escalated to a point where it was now almost at crisis stage and it's not just one drug it's a whole plethora of drugs from the the softest to the hardest drug and they can be bought on the streets in Kilkenny and some big players are coming into the city to and sell their drugs y- yes and, and, and there's evidence of that and then there are big players coming in collecting the money that they're owed on drugs and people, people are being beaten up and threatened and it's not just the drug dealers and users it's the parents of the users and the dealers that are being threatened in Kilkenny City uh, it's also giving us you know a, a bad name in, in that when you walk uh, down Parliament Street now in Irish Town um, tourists are there, they're witnessing all of this drunkenness and you know, people high and, and, and out of their head sure. on drugs and the guards have to take an action and I'm delighted that having raised it and debated it that the guards with the County Council are now going to take direct action uh, and put more people to the fore in terms of uh, the fighting uh, the, the whole drugs issue. Okay, well look at Mike, thanks to uh, John, Deputy John McGuinness for coming in here this morning. I know he'd like to get out now with his dogs out to Jenkinstown and get a bit of fresh air as, uh, as he's uh, entitled as we all love to. Ballyrafton. Uh, well, Ballyrafton as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it's both as well. John, thanks for that Thank and you. I do appreciate you coming in. Well, Tasha and Tom Lanish on uh, PC Kjol Show. some of those times week for me? I was just remembering back, well, the Mayfair first of all, I've uh, known the Mayfair uh, since uh, early 60s when we were young fellas, and uh, then uh, we went on the club. I remember you coming in here to the Mayfair, Mick, I remember you, we were around the one vintage. Uh, you'd, you'd be going for the younger one. <laughs> I'd have a few years on you, but uh, then uh, I was involved here and we turned into a canteen back in the 20, 30 years ago. So it's the brewery canteen there. We have many memories of it down to the years. I came in here in 64 into the brewery. I left in 202. So. Yeah, well, I suppose you, a lot of other people worked in the brewery and obviously from the left, we, do, we both know you're into hurling and that a lot. Uh, a lot of great Kilkenny hurlers went through the brewery as well. Well, it's, a lot of great Kilkenny hurlers went to the brewery as well. And as you know, we had a, a fair team here. The last team we had was 74, 75, where the junior all learned to beat in 74 in Bancha and 75 were beaten as well. Uh, and that year we had probably five or six of the Kilkenny panel plus two or three of the minor team. 
That's what we're, we're still beating. That's the big... But I believe back in the 50s, they had uh, six or seven inter-county hurlers. In terms of the work inside, Mick, well, was, it a, was it a difficult place to work? Yeah, well, it was a difficult place to work, and the hours were long, of course, when we got busy, seven-day production, and... Uh, and uh, the overtime was there, lads availed of the overtime when it was going, and that was it. And I could mean seven days a week working, and then shift work, and we're kind of bought into the seven days a week, three, six, five days a year, like, you know. So it's a different place than most places to work. It well looked after, yeah. and a good job. Yeah. Coming back here to the Mayfair, what are your memories here of the Mayfair? Well, I saw many, we had indoor soccer here years ago. Uh, boxing, I remember the boxing on here then we had all the big bands here down to the year, we saw all the bands uh, the best of the band we saw here, I don't know but did Johnny Cash play here um, what do you call was meant to box here one night um, what do you call them uh, some of the big heavyweights from England were meant to box uh, Henry Cooper I believe was down to box, I don't know if he plays here one night, but there's, um, there's a lot of activity in the maple here yeah, a lot of stuff Did you have a favourite band? Well, we saw all the big bands, which is the back to the years. All the big bands wanted to play here in Kilkenny. Uh, all the big bands, you had, had Dickie Rock, you had the Joe Dolans and the Royal Show Band. They all played here on our doorstep. Like. And, uh, of course, you had local bands as well. One we could mention, the Barabais, Greg the Manor. Of course. They got a big crowd here, the Machina Firmament. Uh, I remember one night, someone said there were 1,600 people here. Well, Mick, the hurling matches on the Sunday evenings and that, and the lads will come in for the dancing, but they, brings, they might have been a few old clips given in the hurling matches. What happened when the, the opponents arrived here in the Mayfair? Well, Tell us the truth now. This is the place there, that story was on the street. If you had to run in with a lad, you'd say, I'd see you in the Mayfair after. Out in the ring is outside the Mayfair here. And that's where a lot of things were sorted out that time. Yeah. And, and that's the way it was. In the Mayfair, there were plenty of fights here, unofficial. Yeah. So if there was a lot of hurling field, generally round two took place outside the Mayfair. The energy, Nicky, you'd probably finish it off here. <laughs> After the hurling field, you wouldn't be able to do it too much, but that's the way it was. Things were, things were a bit different them years, you know. Absolutely. Mick, good to talk to you. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, that was uh, Mick Dooley there of O'Loughlin Gales fame and the Deputy John McGuinness is held with me. John, I suppose you've, uh, you, you have some, you, when I said I was going to play a bit from the Mayfair, you said, God, I went there. Yeah, when, when we shouldn't have been there. <laughs> we were outside watching all the talent inside and uh, you weren't let in. But the, I, I remember the Mayfair from the point of view that the crowds that turned up and the massive big bands on the stage. It wasn't just a four-member band. It was always a huge big band on the stage. And um, it, it was a great outlet for people. Yeah, I mean, well, it was a hugely important social outlet. Oh, I mean, it was, was deep yeah, place yeah. back in the... the Mayfair Ballroom, there was the Carlton Ballroom. Yeah. And uh, the Mayfair Ballroom had all of those big bands. And it was just fantastic. I mean, Mick Dooley and the lads that are, have the years on me now, they know better. They were able to get inside the door. I wasn't. Yeah. Um, but they came from everywhere to the Mayfair Ballroom. It's, 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 it's so well known. Well, it's uh, important maybe in the whole new development on there that some of that history is, is a kind of captured there and, uh, and maybe put up in pictorial format. We're presenting all these interviews to the yeah, library and service. They're, they're and they're of that. great value because huge the likes of, of the stories that Mick Dooley and others that went inside the doors of the Mayfair Ballroom and experienced all those big bands and the nights out that were held down there... Uh, that's part of the social history, if you like, with Kenny. So uh, it's great to, to see you doing those. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks very much, John. Well, Shindara and Claude and you, um, a week is to. Uh OK, John Salon, uh, that's Deputy John McGuinness, heading off now for his walk. Shindard and Claude and Anu, week at the Samuel Chadwick, so Steve Shilok Deshtet. Fanny Ling, Heidi Goodick, Chocolate Spiritual Life, Therese Tanukta, August Begakrail and Claude Shutter and Lunar and Nate Logody and Saharan Chokuing. Salon, August Bannock. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.